0: Good evening. This is Kevin with Titus Ministries. It's been a long time since the last podcast, but hopefully they're going to kind of start back up again. Tonight, I wanted to talk about just the simplicity of Christianity, just our walk with God, being in the presence of God and and how important that is, our relationship with Christ, our relationship with Christ. These are like the basics. This is kind of the simplicity of it. This is Christianity 101. But even though you learn this when you're a, a new believer, that you should walk with Christ, you should follow Christ, you should be Christ-like, uh, it's important to not forget that as we get older, as we, as we learn various theology and things like that, that even though there's incredible depth to our faith, there's also just that beautiful simplicity that we should never lose hold of that, that a child can understand. So I want to look at a few examples, uh, a person, a couple people, and one angel even as a model for us, as really cool examples in Scripture. Uh, So we tend to overcomplicate things, and and I just, like I said, I want to kind of simplify it here, but really focus on that. Uh, The gospel, again, like I said, the gospel can be understood by a child, its simplicity, but also, you could study the Bible, and you should study the Bible your entire life. And you'll never get to the end of it. You'll never read the Bible for the you know, 400th time and be like, oh, no big deal. Not that interesting. I already know what it says. No, every single time, God's living Word will be uh, fascinating to you. It's it's alive. Okay, and, and along with that, often children have better theology than adults. You know, for when you're kids, you sing... Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so so that's right Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so that's that's apologetics 101 you know how do you know you're a Christian how do you know you're saved well Jesus loves me I know this because the Bible tells me so that's it you can't appeal to any higher authority than the Word of God that's it that's as high as it gets okay so first verse please turn if you're listening to this and able to follow along that's great but please turn to uh, Genesis chapter 5. So we're going to look at the beginning of the Bible. We're going to flip towards the end. But first, I want to look at Genesis 5 and verse 24. This is a beautiful, simple passage. I love this. So Genesis five twenty-four reads, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's it. That is a beautiful picture of his faith and the Christian life. That's Christianity summed up right there. He walked with God. And he walked with God so closely, had such great faith, that God just took him. He got his own little mini personal rapture. God just pulled him out. Um, And and that's all that's really needed to be said for an example for us. I mean, obviously there's plenty more we can talk about. But if we want to just put it into one verse, that's the... uh, that's the christian life is a, is a walk with god a walking with christ all right so in hebrews please turn to the book of hebrews we get a little more detail about this hebrews chapter 11 known as the hall of faith chapter a lot of important people are mentioned in this chapter and what they did and that they did what they did through faith in god that they relied on god so hebrews 11 verse 5 the bible reads By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So very cool. Gives us a little bit more explanation on that verse in Genesis 5. Uh, Adam Clark, a Bible commentator that I really like, he says, Here then we cannot but see and admire how mighty the grace of God is, and what wonders it works in the behalf of those who are faithful, who set themselves to walk with God." Very cool. So Enoch had—he didn't have any written scriptures. The law hadn't been given yet. Circumcision hadn't been given yet. We haven't heard about baptism at this time. He didn't have any advantage over us uh, whatsoever. Yet he pleased God. He walked as though he was always in the presence of God. So God took him to his presence really cool thing he walked so closely with god and and i wonder what people might have said about him or thought about him or anything like that i wonder if he experienced ridicule for how closely he walked with god because if you're walking that closely with the lord your life will look different right um but also perhaps he influenced many people you know perhaps his walk with god was so so close that, that he, he spread God's word and we do have some evidence that he did spread God's word and we'll look at those verses in a minute that he was a, a prophet of judgment we could even say so let's look at uh, Genesis 5 again let's go back to Genesis 5 and just look at a couple verses before that first one we looked at so Genesis 5 verse 21 through 23 Bible reads And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters, and all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years." So Enoch had Methuselah at sixty-five. Then he walked three hundred years with God, taken up six hundred and sixty-nine years before the flood. So his son Methuselah lived to be 969. He was, of course, the, the oldest person in Scripture. Uh, he died the ura flood, maybe most likely right before the flood. And, and some people think that because of the meaning of his name, and I'm not going to get into that a whole bunch, but that his, his name means, uh, it kind of implies a sort of sending or thrusting of a spear, kind of coming of judgment sort of thing so it's possible that when methuselah was born that enoch received that revelation from god that that god would destroy the world in a flood so pretty interesting so we could say to ourselves you know if i live to be 365 and and i maybe i could follow god for 300 years uh you know before god took me i mean i'd have a lot more time and, and experience and practice walking with god and and maybe Maybe, I don't know. But we can look at uh, great people of Scripture like Solomon, wisest guy that ever lived, brilliant, beyond anything we'll ever know here on earth. Uh, King Asa was a good king. He fell towards the end of his life. Solomon fell towards the end of his life and and were just pulled away from God. And they didn't live nearly that long. Gideon in the book of Judges, he kind of uh, fell to temptation towards the end. David, King David, of course. Many other examples. And so I always try and think if Solomon could be pulled away from God, then I'm susceptible to. And not that it's a loss of salvation, but you're not walking with God that whole time. Solomon certainly didn't walk with God as closely towards the end of his life as he did towards the beginning of his life. And we have to be cautious of that. We have to be aware of that. And and just really make an effort to to be busy with prayer, busy with fellowship, busy with reading scripture, we really have to put the kingdom of God first. We have to seek it first above all other things, before all other things. Okay, so Enoch didn't live in paradise, right? And you might have heard of paradise because uh, Adam, the first man, was still alive when Enoch was around. Adam actually died, I think, about around three quarters of the way through Enoch's uh, life here on earth. So we might have heard about paradise, but he certainly didn't. Uh, live in it. If you look at Genesis 4 and we won't we won't read much from it or anything from it right now, but it talks about the line of Cain and it starts with a murder, Cain of course, and then it ends with a murder in uh, Lamech. So you have this bad line here and then you have the other line that that talks about in Genesis 5. So keep your finger here in Genesis if you're still in there and turn towards the end of the Bible to the book of Jude. And Jude gives us again a little bit more information about this really amazing character, Enoch, that we don't know a ton about. But what we do know the Bible has told us is, you know, what God wants us to know about him, that he walked with God, which is just amazing. And I love that beautiful simplicity. So in the book of Jude, uh, if you read it, we won't read the whole thing right now, but it's talking about false teachers, evildoers. And then look at verses 14 and 15. It reads, and Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So Enoch warned of coming judgment. He knew it. You know, God revealed it. He warned of coming judgment for the flood for the people in his day, that's a lot of warning, by the way. You know, 669 years before the flood, that's a lot of warning when he was talking about this. Also, Jude is applying the preaching that he did and the uh, warnings of judgment that he did to the future judgment. You know, the Lord has not come yet with 10,000 of his saints to uh, to execute judgment upon all of the ungodly. So, one of those prophecies, and this is common in prophecy where there's a multiple fulfill- fulfillment or dual fulfillment, So so that's pretty cool. If he's preaching that judgment and everything, he's not living in a good time. Albert Barnes says, The age in which he lived was corrupt. The world was ripening for the flood. He was himself a good man and, as would seem, perhaps, almost the only good man of his generation. So, that's kind of amazing that he lived in such a wicked time and yet he walked so closely with God that God just took him out. He said, nope, you're good you've you've done what you've needed to do your faith is beautiful i love it come be with me forever which is which is made which which tells us that we shouldn't use our current evil time as any kind of a, an excuse to not follow god to the fullest amen i mean our culture right now is incredibly incredibly wicked you can't drive down the freeway without seeing it on on billboards, You know, you don't even need a TV to do it or internet or any of that. You can see it wherever you go. In sign, people's yard signs have, have, filthy, have filthiness and ungodly stuff on it. So there's wickedness all over this world. That's not an excuse that should keep us away from God. And also, I think, uh, just talking about the simplicity, I think it's a great compliment to say that somebody walks with God. Um, you know, we can say there's a lot of compliments we can give people like, oh, he's so smart, he's clever, they're successful, uh, whatever, they're really kind, you know, which is a great compliment. There's tons of compliments and good qualities that people have. Um, but Leonard Ravenhill said, smart men walked on the moon, daring men walked on the ocean floor, but wise men walk with God. So. I think out of all those compliments you could receive I mean what would be better than to say that guy walks with God because that would embody all those things right if you're walking with God you're loving your neighbor and you're therefore kind you're loving you're successful at the most important thing anybody could be successful at is is their fellowship with Christ that's amazing to sort of say somebody walks with God is that's about as high as it gets. And that's that simplicity that we have in Genesis 5.24, I think is so cool. Okay, so if you're still in Genesis, hopefully you are, please turn the page. Let's look at Genesis 6. This is the chapter of the flood. I want to look at a different character briefly. So Genesis 6 verse 9 reads, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God. So you would have to walk with God, right? If you And have super strong faith. If you're going to spend years, possibly 70 years, we're not sure exactly how long, but possibly 70 years building a gigantic boat on dry land, you've got to have serious faith. So yeah, Noah walked with God. That's, that's awesome. That's great faith. So like Enoch, we can look at Hebrews 11, uh, and Noah is mentioned there. Turn to Hebrews 11. I want to look at just one verse towards the beginning of Hebrews 11. Verse 7 reads, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is <clears throat> excuse me, by faith. So to walk with God, you need faith in God. So look at the verse between those verses we read in Hebrews 11. We read Hebrews uh, 11.5, right? And then we just read uh, Hebrews 11.7. So look at Hebrews 11.6. And this, this applies to both of them, especially to Enoch. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So, so very cool. Noah and Enoch believed in the true God, believed that He is who He says He is, that He will reward them. So, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's the example for us to walk with God, is to have faith in that God and that He is who He says He is. You know, we have all of written scripture like Enoch and Noah didn't have. So we have, uh, you know, written uh, a full revelation of the character of God so that we can believe what it says about God and also, it's kind of cool that it says that you should be a, you must be a believer that God will reward those that seek Him. So we have eternal life, and that's amazing, uh, just from salvation as a free gift. But then in serving God and doing things for God, you can you can earn rewards. God will reward you, which is an incredible thought. It's just it's just abundant grace, abundant grace, giving, giving, giving. Uh, it's incredible love. Okay, so let's go to the book of Psalms right now. I want to look at Psalms, and and throughout the book of Psalms, it's all of it's a great example for us, right? And how how we should talk to God and and just pray to God, just openings opening ourselves to God, just just giving him our heart, you know, telling him everything, confessing our sins and and our thoughts and, and all of that stuff. It's all great examples. So look at Psalm 27. And this is this whole chapter is a fantastic chapter. Psalm 27, it's short, beautiful. Look at verse 8 of Psalm 27. It reads, When thou saidst, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. So God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. You know, God says, Seek my face. I will seek you, Lord. You know, it's a it's an interesting thing that you know, we as Christians can say that we found God, right? That's that's a common thing. But, you know, we have God. We have the Holy Spirit in us. And yet we're continually seeking God. We're continually seeking that closer relationship. We're seeking to follow Christ closer, you know, all of our lives. And we should always desire that. You know, that should be something that we really want. We should say, I really want to follow Christ closer. I want to be more Christ-like. I want to, you know chip away the stuff in my life that doesn't glorify God and just seek him with with everything that I've got everything I've got. Okay, I want to look at another psalm just a few pages over, Psalm 34. And I'm going to read the first 10 verses. These are really cool and this is this is what a close walk with God looks like. Psalm 34 verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were lightened, and and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Very cool. It's a beautiful passage. And I like the C.S. Lewis quote that I think is applicable where he said, He who has God and everything else has no more than he who has God only. I think that's great. The guy that's living on a mansion on a hill that is also a Christian really doesn't have anything else than the guy living in a studio apartment barely paying rent that also has God. They have the same thing. You know, you can't have anything better than a relationship with Christ. You just can't. Nothing even compares. Nothing comes somewhat close. So, like I mentioned earlier, there's great compliments that we can receive, but the best is that uh, that person walks with God. So continuing on that thought, there's also titles that we could have. You know, we could have doctor, mister, professor, CEO, or rolling container apparatus retrieval specialist when I had my first job as a cart pusher at Walmart. You know, you can come up with all kinds of fancy titles, right? So remember, and, and this is cool, I love this. Remember when Assyria went to take Jerusalem, and stay with me. It's still on the same topic: presence of God, walking with God. But you know, the best thing that you can have, as far as a uh, compliment, is walking with God. So, when Assyria went to take Jerusalem, right? Hezekiah was king. This is in 2 Kings 18 and 19. The king of Assyria was Sennacherib, and I'm sure that's pronounced wrong. Who cares? Uh, it's you know, I I don't get too picky about. Bible pronunciation names—we no matter how you pronounce it, it's wrong. You know, 3,000 years ago in Assyria, you would have said his name totally different than Sennacherib, Sennacherib, whatever it is. So it, it doesn't really matter. But anyways, little you know tangent there. So this isn't in the Bible. This is an extra biblical source. But Sennacherib's title for himself um, <clears throat> is is pretty interesting. This is it. So sorry if this puts you to sleep, but it will come to an end, I promise. This is the king's own title uh, for himself. He says, Sennacherib, the great king, the mighty king, king of the world, king of Assyria, king of the four quarters, the wise shepherd, favorite of the great gods, guardian of right, lover of justice, who lends support, who comes to the aid of the destitute. Not done, not done. This is still just his title who performs pious acts, perfect hero, mighty man, first among all princes, the powerful one who consumes the insubmissive, who strikes the wicked with the thunderbolt. So we could say that's a bit arrogant, perhaps. He was a bit full of himself. Okay, so my favorite title, and, and what I think the coolest is for um, that someone could have, is in Luke chapter 1. So please turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. And this is when the angel Gabriel is coming to Zacharias to tell him that he'll have a son, John the Baptist. He's, he's given him this, this prophecy that will soon be fulfilled. So Luke chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 read, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know, know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. So, how cool is that? Did you catch that? Of all the things that he could say, this is this is Gabriel, the immortal, that delivers brilliant prophecies to Daniel and and does all kinds of other stuff. You know, he's done all kinds of stuff that we've we've never read about. You know, Uh, but of all that he could say, there is no higher title, no higher mark of authority than that he stands in the presence of God. That's it. There's nothing There's nothing else that can compare with that. It doesn't matter what he's done in his whole life. But he stands in the presence of God. That's, that's beautiful. Um, and that's not that we can say that. You know, we're not in the presence of God the same way that the angels are up in heaven, of course. But there's nothing better that we could say about ourselves. You know, like, oh, I'm a CEO or I do this or I invented this or whatever. No, I'm a follower of Christ. What what higher goal or, or thing is there that one could aspire to be? I'm a follower of Christ. That's, that's it. You know, it's not in myself or anything that I've done, it's who I follow because He is so much greater than me. Okay, so... Don't turn there, but 1 Corinthians one thirty one reads, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Okay, please turn to Jeremiah 9. And, and we're going to look at that, that quote where that's quoted from, Jeremiah 9. So the defining characteristic of our lives should be that we follow Christ. You know, that should be it. That's, that should encompass everything we do. Uh, we should desire a walk with the Lord over everything else. You know, you can seek to be a CEO or this or that or whatever, but none of it compares, comes anywhere close to, to following Christ. Uh, like it says in 1 Peter, all the glory of man is as uh, grass. Right, and The grass withers, the flower thereof fadeth away, but the word of the Lord is forever. All the glory of man is as grass. So, uh, Amos 3.3 3 says can two walk together except they be agreed? So so again, that's what a walk with God looks like. Is, is a walking together with Christ. Being agreed with Him. As in believing and accepting everything He says in His Word. There's plenty of people that can read Scripture and still not like something. You know, you can read parts where you're like, ah, oh, I don't like that. I don't want to follow that. You know, that's my favorite sin. It, you know, it's a bummer that God condemns that, but I'm sure it's you know, I'm under, I'm under grace, so I, I don't need to worry about that. But, no, we should agree completely with God. You know, it's not God that needs to change to fit our life. It's us that needs to change to fit the standard that God has given us. Okay, so finally, Jeremiah chapter 9, look at verse 23 and 24. The Bible reads, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might, Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in in these things I delight, saith the Lord. So, like Enoch, we should desire to walk closely with the Lord. You know, that should be, you know, our guiding principle in life, to walk with God. That should cover everything that we do. So that's my prayer for us tonight, that we walk with God, that we would seek Him at all times, that that would be what defines us and that would be what you know, we recognize as being the most important thing, is that walk with God, that faith in God, that agreement in, in our lives by our actions and in everything that's in God's Word. Alright, thank you very much. Have a great night and a great week.